Today's podcast is brought to you by GLP and the new GLP Streamer. The Streamer is a small, versatile LED light source for Zoom meetings or other streaming and video conferencing applications. The Streamer's sole purpose is to present hosts, interviewees, and collaborators in professional studio-type lighting. Unlike lower-quality lighting solutions you'll find online, Streamer also allows full remote control capabilities when required. A range of built-in color temperature presets can be accessed directly from the onboard buttons, which also give instant intensity control. All presets can be modified through your Mac or PC desktop as well. Don't get stuck with low-quality, difficult, or impossible-to-control products. Instead, get GLP Streamer and get it right. You and your clients will not regret your focus on quality. For more information, visit GLP or buy direct very soon on Gearsource.com. Well, hello and welcome again to Geezers of Gear. We are on episode number 127 today. And so this week we already put out a podcast with uh, the COVID crew. And that was a fun one. I've actually talked to a couple of guys from the crew since we recorded and put out the podcast and everyone's saying, geez, I think that was our best one yet. And, you know, it was just real free flowing, a lot of fun. Uh, we had a great conversation. I think we covered some really great topics um, for some crazy reason. Everyone was in a pretty good mood. And um, so, yeah, I thought it was really productive, fun and um, informative as well. So uh, hopefully, if you haven't already, go listen to episode number 126, which was the COVID crew Christmas, I think I called it. And so today we are actually um, re-engaging, I guess, with a gentleman who I've had on the podcast before. And today it's to talk about a whole different list of things, the things that he's been working on and doing since COVID started. And in some sense, I call this guy the master of the pivot because he's done a very good job of um, just taking his skill set, his his knowledge base, and his contacts in the industry, and figuring out a way to leverage that all together into a you know during pandemic COVID nonsense job basically. So he stayed busier than most. He's actually made some money and done pretty well, and done some really cool things along the way too. So please welcome back, LD. Rob Gibson. Hi, Rob. Hello, Marcel. And how art thou? Doing pretty good, all things considered. Uh, today is the 22nd of December, which means this year is almost over. Yeah, it's just never going to really end, though. Like, you know, I had, I've got this group of people that I've done a few podcasts with, which is John Wiseman, John Featherstone, Ben Saltzman from ACT, and, and Eric Loader. And we call it the COVID crew. And uh, so we did, I think it was our fourth one we did yesterday. 
And, you know, the guys were like, hey, you know, the good news is it's over, you know, we're, and I'm like, don't tempt fate, man. We've got like a week and a half left to go of this nonsense and God knows what could happen in, in eight days or whatever. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, at this point, nothing, nothing's really shocking, but I definitely do not want to tempt fate. No, no. So, um, I was actually just before we we got on record here, I was pointing out the fact that I know most people are listening to this, but I'm sitting here looking at you on a Zoom call and I can see a half of a green screen in the background. And it's funny because you're not using it as a green screen, but I can see the green screen uh, in the shot, which is kind of funny. So uh, so you're obviously at the office in the studio. Is it called a studio now? Do we officially call it a studio? I think we call it a studio. Um, what I kind of used to be called. Uh, I don't know. I think we've always just called it a studio. Have we, you? we don't really know what else to, to call it. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of like a pinball mad collision of a bunch of people all the time running around with their hair on fire in normal times. And in COVID times, it's, you know, that plus figuring out what to do for a living. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it sounds like a really cool, collaborative, productive, you know, creative environment. Yeah, it can be. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, you know, it's, it's been, it's been a lifesaver to be honest. Yeah. Um, you know, right when Chicago, which is where we're located, um, for your listeners, uh, went into severe lockdowns, you know, we sort of shut down and then I did about a week of that before I was like, okay, I'm at least going to go in. And then as things started to loosen up, you know, I'm not wearing a mask now, but we do wear masks in the, yeah. in the studio. Um, just trying to, to play it as smart as we can, but it's been really great to have all of these personalities and different talents being able to help each other, figure out new things. You know, we have people that are really great at coding. We have people that are really great at media servers, lighting consoles, um, you know, computer networking, all of it. So it, as we've kind of gone through this progression of trying to figure out new ways to do shows, um, you know, it's been awesome. Yeah. So are you all collaborating on like the same projects or is it different people working on different things and just kind of looking over their shoulder and going, Hey Rob, come take a look at this. What do you think of this for so-and-so? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little bit of both, you know, we definitely draw from the talent pool with each other to jump in on projects. Um, you know, we recently had one of our touring clients, uh, a band named Chevelle reach out to us and say, Hey, look at this treatment that we got from a a director in LA. And, um, we really don't like it. And you have always handled our image in the live performance space. What do you think about doing it? for us, you know, in the music video space. And I was kind of like, well, (laughs) we have a resume of none on this. Um, but if you're willing to take the leap, I'm willing to put, you know, our reputation out there that will do a really great job. And so, you know, within our confines, we have a, a DP director of photography that we work with quite a bit. Uh, we have an editor and a director and a creative writer and, you know, all of the team that we needed to assemble, um, to do it. So, so we, but yeah. is it a, is it a company or is it a collective? So, so Midwest is a company. Um, basically how the, the genesis of it started is, uh, Tyler Roach 
reached out and said, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about getting an office space? I'm having a kid and I'm losing my home office. And I said, no, never considered it. So that was five years ago. Um, so it really started out because we had some extra space and people saw what we were doing and the tools that we had at our disposal and they wanted to be a part of it. I never really thought about, you know, putting a sign on the door that had five company names on it, but (laughs) you know, it, it checks off a lot of boxes for somebody who's in that, like almost company, almost freelancer, right? There's somebody here to receive packages. We have, uh, fast internet that's, you know, got a wireless backup. Um, you know, there, it, it allows people that are operating sort of independently to scale up quickly and scale down quickly. So is it sort of a, we work for, yeah. for lighting geeks or, or video yeah. geeks? Maybe we should change the name to, we used to work. <laughs> that's funny. That's, right? I mean, funny slash sad. Yeah. It's, it's kind of fucked up in a weird way, actually, you know, but it's funny. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, I, I really love what you guys are doing over there. And, you know, it's funny because every time I see you on a Zoom call or something, you've got a mask on and you've got, you know, stuff in front of you and a console and all this shit. And you're like, look at what I'm working on today. And there's like a band playing on the stage behind you or there's, you know, always something going on, it seems. So has yeah. it, you know, you guys kind of have, don't you have an XR studio setup kind of thing or an XR stage? We have a very, probably what would qualify for the world's smallest. Um, it's one meter by one meter by one meter, but, um, <laughs> that is small. So we use it. To, it is small. Yeah. Um, we use it to shoot, uh, you know, test scenes. So we have some little figurines and we, we kind of bring everything down into scale. And then when we're building geometry for a test project, I mean, that's kind of what's great about this XR stuff is that, that once you build the geometry and you're building the assets and you're making, you know, we're proof of concepting a file and testing it before we're sending it out or before they're loading into the the big studio. Um, And that's, what's, you know, great about this place. So we have some uh, camera tracking, we have some Genlock cameras, uh, which is an important part of that production workflow. Um, And we're just kind of constantly in here doing demos. Our newest thing that we have done. So, XR is this, this buzz word, right? Kind of like what HD was when HD yeah. first came or yeah. if you're in England, HD, right? Yeah. HD. Um, I hate that. <laughs> or Australia. Uh, and so it, it, it does what it does. Like the people that are in the know, know what it is and know that it's not virtual reality, know that it's not augmented reality. They know what it is and what it isn't but you leave behind a large swath or wake of people that just hear a buzzword and everybody's so, I don't want to say desperate, but driven to sell projects right now in any way they can. So you've got meeting planners, travel agents, uh, producers, show callers, everybody's kind of like glomming into this thing and it's really muddy waters. So at the very tippy top of this, you have, what's going on in Belgium and LA, you know, Baz and Corey and XR studios. And then that huge volume that LMG put together, right. That's the very top of the pyramid. And they're all bashing each other in the face for that, like five to 10 clients that can afford to do that and want to do that. Yeah. Right. And then down here, as the pyramid spreads out, you've got people that are salivating to do it, but don't have the technical know-how, the resources in their area or, um, 
you know, the budget to do it. Right. So we are trying to develop a, what I'm coining right now is XR for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've built some scenes that we can take people in on green screen, insert them into the environment and then put that back out on zoom and allow them to be in a 3d trade show booth, hotel ballroom, lava forest, you know, wherever they want to be, that's coherent to their message but we can do that for less than it costs to unload a truck at the Javits center. Right. Um, so like and, glorified zoom backgrounds. Yeah. Except for there's a background and a foreground and dynamic lighting and wow. dimensional products, you know, on your hand on a platter. Very cool. Yeah. That's and exciting. So, so who are that, you marketing that to? meeting planners, show callers, oh, right. um, you know, all, all the people that are really confused, all the people that are seeing the Katy Perry thing going, Oh my God, that's amazing. Reaching out to them, getting that million dollar price tag and going, okay, what can we do for our, you know, we've got that Ferrari budget, but like we want a Ford fusion. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or the, vice versa. Yeah. 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 Ford fusion <laughs> yeah. budget, but they want the Ferrari. No, that's, that's super exciting. And, you know, I mean, the funny thing is like, I keep calling you the king of the pivot. I I talk to everybody about that. And there's a few people, I think for me that fall into that category, but you've just done it so successfully where you've managed to not only stay busy, but you're actually getting paid for some of these projects. And, you know, I got to say, and I'm not blowing smoke up your skirt or anything, but you sent me sort of a preview of that uh, Chevelle video and it's kick ass. I mean, like, for me, if you've never done a music video before, you know, you found your calling. I think you could actually do pretty well making music videos because that thing looks awesome. So, Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like is it I because like you're just a, a nerd? <laughs> like you just love all this incredible technology and you learn it real quick and then adapt to it or? I feed off the energy for sure. You know, I mean, look, in March and April, it was pretty sad. I mean, you know, we yeah. were speaking the last time I, you know, did this podcast with you was in May and it was like, we were just starting to ramp up into some opportunities that were helping us get through it. But, you know, we definitely were like, I don't know, you know, the, the thing I'm most proud of this year is that I didn't have to diminish payroll at all. I didn't have to ask anybody to take any cuts and I didn't let anybody go. So yeah, that's amazing in itself. Cause you're yeah. one of the few, I would tell you that. And well, I'm such totally a small lightweight operation that doesn't have a crushing overhead. You know, if we, I was uh, doing our unreal, you know, XR for the rest of us demo yesterday with Mark Janowitz on a zoom. Right. And I, he had just texted me because we, somebody mutually, you know, had told him like, yo, you got to check out what this guy in Chicago's doing. And Mark's like, okay, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, well, I'm not putting mirror balls in the seats at the beacon theater, which also looked amazing by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, so he, he did it and he got it and he was kind of like, you know, he, he liked that pyramid sort of description of like, you know, all of those companies that I mentioned also have huge overhead and huge payrolls and, you know, they have to fight for those top tier projects. So yeah. not that I've like know my role, but I just, I've found where I can be successful and being in that space has allowed me to, to pivot and yeah. do things. Yeah. Well on this, on this podcast I did yesterday, Wiseman uh, made mention of the fact that they started PRG started the year at roughly 8,500 people 
either on their own staff or on their touring staff. Right. And, um, by June they were at 500 people. So, you know, that's just a lot of really bad days, whether you're in HR or you're in executive management or wherever you are in that company, or you're on those 8,000 people who got that phone call, you know, those are just really bad days. And the fact that, like you said, you didn't really have to go through that. That's, that's pretty friggin' awesome. Um, Well, I'm proud of it. You know, it's, and and again, I don't want to compare it for anybody that's listening. I, I don't want to say like, Oh, look, we're amazing. It wasn't, it's nothing to do with us versus anybody. It's just something I wanted to do for the people I really fucking care about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) that's that's kind of, kind of important. And so, you know, are you working more or are you working less than, than you did pre COVID? Uh, we're definitely working like on paid projects. We're working less. Um, you know, getting to the point where we're getting things together for the books for the rest of the the last part of the year, you know, we're down like 70, I think it was 72% over what we did in 2019. Yeah. But you know, whatever we kept. But how are, how are you keeping full staff employed on 28% of revenue then? Well, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. Well, no, (laughs) we're just, we're pretty profitable usually. So I took, I, the, you know, the company, the way the, the profit structure works, there will be no profits in 2020. Right. Right. So my salary is just the base and not anything above. Right. Right. So no, no new Ducatis for you. No new Ducatis. Uh, no, no scooters. Lighting equipment. <laughs> yeah. Still don't have that cherished Vespa that I've, you know, coveted. For yeah. So long. yeah. 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 So, you know, this new model that you've created, does it sustain or does it magically disappear as vaccines start to take hold and, you know, the world returns to, quote, normal? Right. Well, that's actually been a big discussion, um, especially as I've sort of taken this concept of like making a really well-produced Zoom meeting for not a lot of, you know, budget uh, to a bunch of folks. They're kind of like, well... You know, so there are some in the camp that think that the minute we get the okay, that none of this virtual stuff is going to happen again. I'm on the side of the fence in the camp that says, I think owning um, commercial real estate in downtown centers is probably a really bad place to be because everybody kind of figured out, hey, we can work from home. Yeah. You know, a lot of the big companies are looking that their productivity didn't take a nosedive. And that you probably spend more time wandering around the hallways saying hi to your coworkers and getting coffee. You know, the actual amount of work that you need to do in a work week can get done in, you know, totally true. Totally true. But it comes at a cost. You know, there is a, that yes, you do get back more productivity, but you lose things like, you know, mental health and all of those things that people get from collaborating in person, you know, from being with other people. But, to answer the question of like, do I think that all of this will just hard stop? I think the, the, the term that I'm hearing coined a lot is hybrid events. Yeah. So I think you're going to have some limited in-person audience with remote folks. And as you know, the, in the last nine months have pushed the tech to the point where we can, with a pretty nice production value, bring somebody in remotely. So like, maybe you don't have to get a $15,000 business class flight from Australia just to come to the rah, rah, you know, product event, you know? Right. 
Right. Yeah. You know, Wiseman had an, an interesting take on it yesterday because, um, you know, Wiseman was very much involved in that uh, thing that Metallica did recently, uh, you know, in the, the round sort of thing with the audience all the way around. And, you know, as well as I've seen it done so far, a virtual event uh, or a virtual concert or whatever you want to call it, because the fans, every song, you know, 400, I think he said it was 450 fans were on the screen all the time. But also that, that uh, you know, the software that was um, used, you know, it allowed them to mix in fan noise too. And like real fan noise from not only those 450 fans, but also from whatever it was, 30,000 or something who were watching it live actually were giving audio feedback and, and were able to cheer and stuff. And, you know, uh, I guess according to Wiseman, he, he said, you know, the way Hatfield um, talked with the people in the audience and stuff, it was just really, really cool and made it a success. So then I asked John, I said, so is there a place for that in the future? And he said, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, so he didn't really get off on that so much. I think more like you, I think it's going to be a hybrid of some merged things. You're going to, yes, you're going to have 20,000 people in an arena again, but they may be able to do, you know, sort of mass streaming where you could go to the concert and be able to choose whose phone you're watching or whatever, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, and promoters live nation will figure out how to capture that software and be yep. able to charge people to do it right yep. but uh i think there's going to be some version of of a merge of you know the live thing and the streaming thing uh done really well yeah and i um you know acts have always challenged us to figure out ways to use emerging technology in shows so i think that this this will help us then get folks more comfortable with it. I mean, I remember we were working with an upstart that was trying to put a few kind of optical beacons on the top of some PA stacks at a show so that their app could see the beacons, do a camera alignment to the stage. And then you could have basically like overlays, you know, so it's like the, the concept was everybody was watching the show through their phone already so why not sell that ad space or put stickers? Exactly, yeah. And it was almost like a, a show app. So you would download the app. The, I don't know that it ever got off the ground, but we were figuring out the, the back end part of it with them. But, you know, you could like put your parking reminder in, you could buy your merch in the app and then have it available for pickup, you know, on your way out. To, so you evolve, avoid those long merch lines. Yeah. And you know, it was it was a cool kind of concept before this, people were really weary to do anything virtually, you know? So yeah, I think it's, I think for a while it will be there. You know, the other thing that um, I'm hearing is that there's going to be sort of a stepped comeback in a lot of ways. There are acts who are looking at 2021 going, dude, it's just going to be a sea of white noise, you know? And if you have, Joe consumer or, you know, Patty consumer who may like your rabid concert fan might go to 10 shows a year. Are they in the absence of being able to go to those 10 shows going to go to 20, 30? Well, you're probably going to have a hundred to choose from. So there, there are acts and management sort of thinking that like we can make it to 22 and 23. So, you know, you don't want to just get lost in a sea of everybody. 
Well, <clears throat> I think there's going to be a bit of that, but I think there's also going to be a bit of stadium shows that move into arenas or, or sheds, um, you know, shed tours that are moving into theaters or smaller venues. There is going to be some of that too. Like there's going to be some adapting, but honestly, I think once we rip the bandaid off this thing, people are going to go nuts. Like, I, you know, yeah. all the so. concert goers that I know are dying to go to a friggin' concert, you know? Right. Me, right. I didn't like going to them before COVID, so I'm not going to go much more now, you know? Right. I go to see, like, if you're at front of house and, and you call me and go, dude, I'm here with freaking, uh, you know, whoever, some artist yeah. that I hate or whatever, come down, you know, come come see the show. And I'm like, okay, you know. Or you do the classic, like, come by at 2.30 in the afternoon and say, hey. I do that you. one. I do that one. Yeah. <laughs> I do that one. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think the older I get, the less it appeals to me to be in the middle of a screaming crowd of, of, you know, teenagers or whatever. Well, I just, I wonder if it's going to be, you know, like me shoved into person next to me's armpit at the barricade, or if they're going to, you know, try to cap the floor, you know, to sort of like right now, the basis for, um, you know, capacity is usually around five square foot per person, right? That's, give or take mostly the fire code for yeah. places. So, like I've done this a lot when we've had to lay out thrust or things that are going to reduce the f- square footage on the, the arena floor. Um, you know, it, you, you start working with the promoter to figure out like what the, the sales are still going to be left, you know, like <laughs> live nation hates anything out. Oh, into of course. The yeah. It's like, Somebody on one of my happy hours, and maybe this is a common statement, but somebody said, you know, just make everybody wear hula hoops. And I was like, that's, yeah. that's kind of funny, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I, I, you know, again, I just, I don't think so. I think a, we have a short memory as, as far as bad events go, you know, er, the whole world thought no one would fly again after nine yeah. 11. And guess what? <laughs> you know, planes yeah. were more plentiful and more busy and more crowded than ever before. Right. You know, we, yeah. we will find our way back to the same stupidity, licking doorknobs like we were last year, you know, right. and, you know, standing next to the sweatiest, most disgusting, dirty, stinky person rubbing <laughs> shoulders with them. But, you know, some of the changes for me, like what I'm looking at is not the things that we've been forced to do because of COVID like, you know, social distancing and all of the, even though I love social distancing, cause I've never been a fan of people to begin with, but, um, but you know, the, the things that we've been forced to do, I'm not so big on, you know, like takeout dinners and all of those things. I want to eat in a restaurant, you know, but the things that I think have been positive are the ones that I'm looking at as technologies that could sustain or, or habits that could sustain, you know, yesterday we went through on this Zoom call that I heard Zoom called podcast that I did yesterday with these guys. We went around the table and, you know, give me the thing you love about 2020 that came out of 2020 and the thing that you hate that came out of 20. And for me, both were Zoom, you know, even though I was using Zoom two years earlier. But for me, the fact that everyone else now is accustomed to Zoom calls. And so, you know, the positive is that people I used to have phone calls with, I'm now doing Zoom calls with, and I prefer it, you know, right. because there's a difference when you can look somebody, look at their face and see their expression and stuff, whether you're selling them something, buying something from them, or even if it's just a family member and you're catching up, right? 
So that's the positive. The negative is that it's replacing an in-person meeting, which I would still prefer over a Zoom call, right? So, um, but I think I think Zoom is going to continue. It's not it's not going to continue the same, but it's going to continue differently. And I think, like you were saying earlier, there's going to be an opportunity for real mega corporation board meetings to now be happening over Zoom and to want to be more professional because we all got away with you know, wearing baseball caps and, and, you know, sleeveless t-shirts and stuff on zoom calls next year, it might be suits and, you know, dressed like a proper meeting, uh, because we're back to normal. Right. right. And, and then the other one for me was, uh, like these sort of impromptu performances where they're either on Facebook live or whatever. And like Tommy Shaw will come out and do a song with an acoustic guitar or like the zero latency, multi-location uh, live performances. You know, I've seen some of those that were really, really good. I've seen some that were really bad where they tried to do it over Zoom and, and there's latency and they're trying to get the timing matched up and it was awful. But some of those technologies have definitely advanced to a point where I think that's a real thing now, you know. So those are some positives for me that will come out of all of this nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe sustain. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I tend to agree. I think that, you know, um, the, the problem for zoom for me is that I feel like it's hard to have a breakout conversation. Like this is great. It's just you and I, you know, we sort of know each other so we can just talk and, you know, it's a thing, but when you go to, a corporate meeting, you know, a lot of that stuff, or like I even think about our industry and LDI, it's like, there's a lot of like sidebar conversations that are, are really hard to have in this medium. And, you know, or like late night drinks and dinners where th- the meat, you know, actually happens, right? Yeah. The meat goes, yeah. Sold I agree like with you. Golf courses. It, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. we've talked about that a lot with this sort of virtual environment is like, it, it can be the most amazing thing that you've ever seen. But if, people get in the mind frame when they go to the airport, they fly to Vegas, right? They go to a hotel, they're away from their family and their kids and they're in the zone to see whatever's at the trade show. Yeah. Right. It's so funny that you're saying that because there's a very good friend of mine who's the head of a large company in our industry. And I'm not going to say who it is cause I don't want to embarrass him, but um, <laughs> he's always been like, he's been one of those people. He hasn't been locked in his house since February or whatever, but he certainly hasn't got on a plane, hasn't met with any customers, hasn't, you know, gone into the office, you know, he'll go out to dinner with his wife or something, but that's about it. And, um, he just called me to make a big announcement. And I said, what? And he said, I'm fucking sick of this and I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to see customers. And I said, really? And he said, yep, I just booked a, a ticket to, I think he said Chicago and one to Las Vegas. Um, early January. And he said, I'm back. I, you know, I'm not going to maybe do the 150, 160,000 miles that I do every year, but right. I'm, I'm going to do, you know, a good 50, 60,000, 70,000 miles next year. Uh, no matter what, you know, right. I'm just doing it. I'm going to see clients. I'm, I've got to feel like I'm producing again. And I've got to feel like we've got all these plans in place to recover our business but I don't feel like I'm doing it unless I'm out there, you know, sitting with Rob in his office talking about, you know, the new whatever. Right. Right. So, 
it made perfect sense. And it was just, it was funny hearing it from him because he was so dead set against it. Like he gave me shit every time I went to one of my son's races or, you know, I was, I was out traveling on business last week. I've done it a couple times. And, um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know why I brought that up, but I did. No, we're just talking about, you know, being able to replace Correct, the, yeah. the experience. Right. Yeah. And I just, I, I don't, I don't think you can, you know, right now, one of the things that we're selling, you know, it's like trademark uh, is teleportation. Right. And I, I'm laughing in my head cause I'm going, man, if we could just get like real actual teleportation down where I could That'd just be like cool. beam into your studio to come do this face to face and then beam out. And then like, maybe you put a UVC light in the teleportation device. So you just clean the COVID off before you get particleized and zapped away. Yeah. It's a good idea. Yeah. Why don't you call me back once you got that figured out? <laughs> run it through a couple times, you know? <laughs> yeah, that would be really good. I'd, I'd like to do that. Now, I, yeah. I mean, that's why I said, you know, for me, Zoom is in between, you know, it, it's in between good and bad. It's better than a phone call, but it's worse than an in-person meeting. So it's yeah. right right in the center. And, and I'll still keep it and I'll still take it because, see, my company went um, fully remote about four years ago, I guess. And we've been doing this as our meetings uh, since then. So for right. me, this is very normal. I've been dealing with most of my staff like this for years. And we generally get together once or twice a year for an in-person, you know, we'll all go to a hotel or something and hang out. But other than that, you know, it's all like I've had employees that I didn't meet for a year. You right. Know? So. Well, and it, you know, it's fascinating because I like to try to get outside of our, it's easy to stay with the blinders on in our business and just, you know, like only focus on it. But I try to go like, what are we, what's actually happening out there? Like we get, you know, went back when we were doing the, we make events, you know, red alert restart stuff. It was like, I was meet so many people that were impassioned and then literally one person over, they've never even heard about it. They don't think about it. They don't know anything about it. Their world hasn't really changed. Like they got to wear a mask to go to target. Yeah. They're like, still have a job. They're still doing a thing, you know, and it's crazy, but you know, it just made me think I, um, the person, you know, and like when I'm sharing experiences with stuff and learning how to speak to people in the non-tech jargon and, you know, craft my selling of this, you know, so I was, um, we had a socially distanced hangout the other night, uh, Friday in a backyard around a fire pit. Cause it's chilly here now. Yeah. Um, and you know, I was talking to Doug and Doug works for a marketing company. Uh, they used to have an office in New York city and one in San Francisco. And he's actually never, since he started working there three years ago, they let both of those bricks and mortar locations go. Right. Mm-hmm. I keep the overhead if, if all the work can get done. Right. And really if you think about it as a business owner, like your employees sort of supplying their own office is great. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, think about how much more money it goes into the profit center you know, when you don't have to do that and then they don't have to commute, you know, and, but he was just saying, he's like, yeah, I've never really, I've never met my boss worked there three years. Yeah. And I, mind blowing. Yeah. No, there's huge benefits to it. I read a lot of books. I followed, there was actually, there's a big company out of Chicago. I forget which company it is, but um, they went remote and, and it was one of the companies that I read all their case studies and all of the different stuff from the founders and stuff. And, you know, there's a huge number of benefits to it, yeah. um, you know, from an employee morale standpoint, but it's a double-edged sword. So employees tend to be much happier. They get to drive their kids to school. They get to, you know, be there when they have to go to a dance recital or pick up the laundry or whatever it is 
that you need to do that work gets in the way of, you can kind of now fit it into your day, right? The downside of it all is that you don't feel as connected. You don't feel as collaborative. You don't feel the camaraderie that's going on in, in a normal business environment. So, you know, it is double-edged sword. Uh, you know, I've dealt with both sides of it. I've dealt with all the positives. And honestly, during COVID, I've dealt with a lot of the negatives of it too, you know, where people don't have, you know, they can't sit at my desk and have a conversation with me about whatever we're doing it over a zoom call. And it just doesn't feel the same to them, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. So you know, I know last time we talked, I think you had said that you've pretty much wound down most of your touring. And um, so is that still like, are you now jonesing to get out on a tour probably because you've been stuck at home the whole yeah. year? Or? So, I mean, I, I'm jonesing to travel. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I want to climb those two steps up a tour bus. You know, I was actually just thinking while you were talking about like the isolation, the remote, one of the things, and I'm not sure that everybody would agree with me, but you know, the clients that I was touring with, we would do long tours, you know, six, nine, 12 months, you know, not straight, but six, eight, nine, 10 weeks at a time. And I used to feel like, especially when I was trying to build a bigger base of clients, like all I can really market to are the opening acts out here. Like I'm on an Island, I'm on a tour and that thing's gone and I'm not meeting new managers or agents or, you know, any of that stuff. So I used to feel when I would go out on the long tour really isolated and I would try to make efforts to stay connected and meet new people and, you know, and do the thing. That's an interesting point. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I mean, you go out there like Cosmo, right? Cosmo goes on a two year world tour and you know, like you only meet the people that come to the show. He sees Aerosmith every day. <laughs> That's right. it. You know, or That's ACDC. It, yeah. Well, you pretty really good do. people to see every day, I guess. But yeah. and I, I feel like when I was freelancing, that was a that was a hard thing because it was like, how do you market your next gig when you're out here on this island? You know, yeah. sort of right. Mm-hmm. So you're sort of, you know, and that's how people fall into, they work for all the bands that one management does or one label does or one thing, you know, and I, um, I would just to button up that question, I would say, look, I'm going to do whatever it takes. You know, I, I'm sort of fearful that the, um, the clients that, because I think when we do come back, promoters are going to be gun shy, managers are going to be gun shy and that they're going to look for all the fluff to cut out. And I think having a fancy designer with skinny jeans and shiny boots show up for the first four shows and then split is probably a, <laughs> for some of our clients might be a thing that they're kind of like, okay, might you not know, say the right things to yeah. them. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I still go back to the short memory thing. You know, I, I really do. I just think we're going to be what we were, you know, yeah. with some added benefits and some, maybe some added, you know, uh, just, added cautions or whatever we need to do. But, you know, like people, I, I remember flying after nine 11, I literally was, I was in England when it happened and I was on the very first flight back to the U S which happened to be an American airlines flight, which I was a, uh, executive platinum member of American. Well, it was before executive platinum. I forget what it was called, but I did a lot of miles on American. So I got on that flight back to Miami, uh, and, I felt weird getting on the plane and you looked around at who your neighbors were on the plane and 
you know, the guy I was flying with, one of my employees, he said, do you got your Mont Blanc pen? And I said, why? Where? He goes, where is it? And I go, it's in my backpack. And he goes, keep it in your pocket. And I said, why? And he goes, just in case, you know, you need to stab somebody in the throat. And I'm like, dude, yeah. really? <laughs> like, is that going to save us? And so I felt weird maybe for the first flight or two ever since then. <laughs> Nothing's yeah. been any different than it was prior to 9-11 for me, except for the pain in the asset security and stuff, right? Well, and I, I sort of think the same way. I mean, I remember flying right after 9-11. We were kind of holed up in New Jersey, you know, until planes went back in the air. But I remember thinking, God, this is probably the safest flights that I'll ever get on. Because yeah. if you think back to it, right, it was like, go to the ticket counter, check in, scan, scan all your documents. Then there was a security thing. And it was before the TSA was made, but everybody was like in a really reflexive, you know, kind of alert status. And then you remember all the gate side checks? Like you yeah. would get, you'd get checked three times. Yeah. Yeah. It was know, crazy. And I just remember thinking like this, this now is the safest flying that we'll probably ever do. Yeah. You know, and I think same with COVID. I think we're going to be so, have so much precautions coming back and everybody's going to be really aware and it won't be until that falls off, um, you know, after a while. So, yeah, you know, yeah. and it, it's funny. My sister is an actress. Um, I don't know if I talked about her last time or told you about her, but she's done, she was in some Broadway shows in the early two thousands and then moved to LA and has done some stuff. She was, uh, she played a stripper named tickles on a TBS show. Oh, there you go. Um, and, that was directed by Greg Garcia. So she was telling me the other day, you know, that cause she's engaged to be married and she's like trying to figure out her wedding date. And, um, Greg Garcia texted her back. He was like, Hey, I got your wedding invite. Like that was really funny that you think you're getting married in 2021. Like what, you know, see you after COVID 23. And yeah. I was just, that's such a funny way for like a writer, director, guy, comedian to put that. But like, also hopefully not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you on that one. I mean, who yeah. knows? Who knows what, what we're going to be looking at in the future? You know, again, I mean, I, I want to get back to the the idea that, um, you know, you just have been one of the people who has successfully transitioned your business. Like you said, you didn't have to let go of your staff or anything, even though you took, uh, sounds like you were wildly profitable in 2019 if you were able to cut 70% of your revenue, but still stay afloat this year with without cutting any expenses. That's miraculous. Because yeah. I mean, most of the industry, you know, myself, my business is, is probably 70% off as well, but I did have to cut some staff and, uh, you know, but my margins are so skinny. I'm a, I'm a platform, a marketplace platform. Right. But, um, you know, I mean, it's just amazing. It's really cool that, uh, and you know, probably from your standpoint, it's kept you from being depressed or bummed out or anything. Cause you're so busy learning new technologies and new stuff. It's, it's oddly mentally stressful, right? Because I feel like, you, yes, your head is above water, but man, your feet are kicking so hard yeah. to do it, right? Yeah. And, you well know, said. on any, before this, we would have projects that were confirmed and we were working on them and we had pipelines and we had schedules and we sort of knew what we were doing. And now, you know, we're just, we're, we have a 15 burner stovetop and we're keeping, you know, all of the sauces simmering at the same time, <laughs> but one of them needs attention. And it's, it gets, you know, mentally, it, I, when I became a boss, you know, I was like, man, okay, <laughs> I'm a boss. Um, 
what does that mean? And I sort of took all of the things from the companies and the organizations that I had worked for in the past and said like, this is what I hated. So I will be overreactive to make sure that that doesn't exist in my own company. Yeah. And then meanwhile, all a bunch of other really important things all just fall through the cracks. Right. Yeah. I recently did a job um, here in Chicago with Patrick Dearson and the activity. And it was amazing. And I've known Patrick, I think I first met him 99, 2000, something like that, you know, and he was like Long Island's finest. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> or worst or no, <laughs> And, yeah. you know, but doing this job with him was so cool because we got to sit down for 10 days and sit across from each other, you know, two meters apart and really just talk and, and catch up and like understand, you know, and he, I mean, he's so amazing. He shared with me all of his like business documents, you know, this year, I finally want to have like a real employee manual, you know, so that people can have a document to go back and look at, even though it, it, it might just all be fluff ultimately, but it's sort of a, you know, some kind of a guideline to know, you know, what the thing is, because when we established and hired, it was always just running and I've never had a chance to stop and do all this stuff. And Patrick has been a great mentor in that way to say like, here's our thing. And if, if any of you freelancers out there listening, you've never heard or read his sort of like company ethos, it's, it's great. It starts out and then just, you know, it's so awesome and to the point and yeah. right there. I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Patrick Dearson and uh, have been friends with him for, I don't know, early nineties. I think yeah. I, I met Patrick, but you know, I was going to actually ask you, what do you think about that whole bridge technology? Like, do you see, you know, running shows remotely in the future? Is that a thing or is again, is it just going to fall back to normal where, you know, there's no, I mean, they, they, they solidified a really missing part of the market. And I think that that technology will be important um, going forward. I mean, you know, take a, in your earlier podcast, you know, I, you've talked in depth about like ground control and, you know, some of the stuff where it's like, now you got to find square footage backstage where dead cases are for all of these setups yeah. and these things. And you can shove them in a trailer, but like, they don't want to do it in there. It's no. cold and hot or you know, they don't get the excitement of the buzz of the audience, but, you know, being able to like put the follow spot operators remotely on another ISP, you know, like I think here at the Rosemont horizon arena, they have that catering building. That's like under the tunnel on the other side of the street. Like it, it opens up a lot of stuff for even just micro distance, but then, you know, being able to bring in a remote programmer or, you know, allowing somebody to, you know, I look at it like the coding dev world, right? Like, if you, you know, you recently just launched a platform, so you know what it is to hire freelance coders and, and people that build platforms. But, you know, if you wanted to, you could go three shifts a day, you know, you could like wake up in America, then, you know, the English would just be finishing up. And then the Russians, I mean, they work 24 hours a day, no matter what, but, you know, it's like you could be with the remote working thing. So same thing with like a tight deadline on the console, like I could hand off a programmer in our studio to somebody that would work the night shift you know, and they don't even have to be here. Yeah. Um, and just, and just framework the the stuff in. Yeah. So it's, it's really exciting tech. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say like, well, they're not doing anything more than just like a Amazon web, you know, whatever land, land, whatever. But what they're doing is providing a tangible box that you just plug in and it works. Right. It's like that Apple experience or that luxury car experience. Like, yeah, anybody can build a car, put some wheels on it and whatever, but they're providing 
a service and you don't like, I just know that that thing's been vetted. And if I hire them and we get it, it's going to free. Well, yeah, the magic isn't in the components. It's in the packaging and uh, you know, the details of putting it all together and then support, you know, too. So, um, you know, that's what all of these things are, by the way, you know, like most of these things, a grand MA console, if you add up all the parts, it certainly doesn't come to $60,000. So, you know, all the other stuff is what matters, right? No, of course. And, but I'm just saying like for any, we saw early betas of it and saw what it was doing and had done some of the end testing. And, you know, I was like this, you guys are awesome and figuring it out. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. Um, Yeah. So yeah, the other stuff has just been, you know, kind of crazy. I want to talk to you about, you know, we make events in the red alert, you know, video stuff. And then obviously like I just reached out to you and asked if I could share my friend Brent's uh, gingerbread roadie video, which is amazing. Brent is getting all the love for this, but you're actually the one that sort of cracked open that, uh, the, the box, as far as letting him out of the box, like you came to me and said, Hey, look at this thing. I think it's cool. Should we share it? Well, and he should. then from there, all of a sudden the guy's friggin' famous, you know, he's, he's, uh, it's gone completely viral. And so it should, it's such yeah. a cool thing that he did. This is this, yeah. uh, uh, you know, if, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's a, I mean, what would you call it? It's a <laughs> you explain it. Animation, uh, of a gingerbread arena, you know, with gingerbread workers building a concert stage. So stop frame means basically you assemble one look, you take a picture of it, you slightly move to the next picture, you take a photograph, slightly move. So he made this master spreadsheet of all what all the shots are going to be in kind of a pre-con way and then baked in his kitchen all of the pieces and found the gumdrops. I mean, the rules so for the environment is everything has to be edible, right? And then, you know, he sort of talked about when he would do the trusses and they had like red licorice rope. Right. And he would leave it overnight. He would come back and measure it and it will have stretched. So he'd have to like to start <laughs> continuity. Pictures. He had to worry about continuity. Yeah. Oh absolutely. my God. So, you know, it was a big tracking sort of thing. And, you know, he told me kind of the end numbers about it. He started in October and um, it took, it was 500, in 30 frames. So 530 individual stage shots and pictures. And it's so detailed, right? Between when the homosote goes over the ice and the riggers come out and lay down the spike marks all the way to like, if you really analyze the details, like front of house gets built, the risers, then there's a couple of like roadies and they're working at their laptops. Right. And that's so real because like when you come in as a lighting operator or designer, you know, you're typically like your stuff isn't off the truck yet. So you're waiting and you're asking the house or whoever's building the risers to set up. So there's little laptops. Then the consoles get flipped. If you watch the test pattern on the video wall, like tiles go out, you know, I it's, know, it's incredible. It, it really, it's yeah. Incredible. I actually, um, I was waiting for all the production manager friends of mine to come and like analyze his load in and be like, well, you're doing it wrong. Oh, you got to put this <laughs> up, or, you know, that's then, so funny. Yeah. But you know, I really think like he should be a production manager. <laughs> no shit. You know? I mean, Stage it just, it, it blew me away. You know, just the quality of it, the, when you told me it was all stop frame, I mean, you know, cause in CGI, okay. It'd probably right. be 
relatively easy if you know what you're doing. But it just goes to prove the point that we've made a thousand times when you, you know, take incredibly creative people in our industry and give them some free time. You know, you come up with some weird shit, you know, and and that definitely was one of the best examples of it that I've seen. Well, and he's done, you know, he's, he's a good friend. I've, I met him in 2009 or 10 on a tour and he was a dimmer tech working for upstaging. And he had just, I don't remember if he had just gotten out of college or he'd been out a few years, but you know, we clicked right away, you know, and we're, we're friends. And, um, you know, fast forward to, I think it was 2017. I hired him sort of on the train, play that song tour you know, I was initially hired him as the programmer, but as I was getting pulled into other elements, I basically said, look, I want to pay you some more and I want you to be the lighting designer. Right. So if you want to bring in a programmer to work with, he said, no, I'll, I'll design it and program it. So, you know, I would kind of come in, we had this, um, we had rented this movie theater that was closed down out to do pre-production. in. so we had a projector and, you know, we, he was set up in the seats and we were shooting the previs up onto the stage. And then behind the stage, I had my animators working. So it was before I had this space, you know, we just found this unique place to rent to work for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I would just go check it out and I'd be like, uh, I don't know about Magenta, man. Come back to me on that. You know, and like it, it, it was such a great thing working with him. And, you know, we've done three or four other tours since then. And then, so yeah, when he reached out, um, I actually felt bad, you know, cause we had sent that Vimeo link out to people to basically get approvals or make changes or comments. And then Strickland blasted it out on I a know, Sunday night. I know. Right. Yeah. And then, cause Brent wanted to share it on YouTube cause it's a little bit better to track metrics and stuff. So, yeah. Well, plus you um, can get paid. Yeah. <laughs> he could put an so ad he texted on it me yeah. and was kind of like, Oh man, I WTF. go, dude, I, you know, yeah. I'm sorry, but you know, that's just how it goes. Like once the horse is out of the gate, you know, people are really excited. It's really cool. You shouldn't be upset. You should be really impressed with how excited folks are about it. Yeah. And then, you know, we talked about the level up festival and the, like the text to donation was really great. Um, and I felt bad because in Strickland's email, he had even mentioned my name and I was like, dude, I, all I really did was connect people. And Brent had just done another industry podcast the other day and, um, you know, had sort of mentioned about me, he was like, well, you know, I reached out to Rob because Rob knows a lot of people and can connect people. And I was like, well, all I really did was hit up Marcel, who also knows a lot of people and can connect people. Yeah. And, you know, and got and got it into the right hands. But I feel honored that he would think of me as that position yeah. to yeah. know what to do and who to do it with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, somebody, somebody said that to me a couple days ago, somebody very powerful in our industry said, you know, Marcel, like, you know, Strickland gets all the credit, but you're, you've done, you know, some of those same things, creating communications and creating networks and creating, you know, so, you know, don't, don't count. And I, I totally don't do anything I do for accolades at all. You know, it's, it's all just, Hey, you know, there's a bunch of people that need to talk to each other. Let's try and put them together, you know, or there's this that needs to be done. Like, that's why, you know, I kind of, after the We Make events, the initial surge on September 1st, I won't say I got bored. I got frustrated because there was a lot of need. There was, there was a lot of people who needed help, but there wasn't a lot of people who wanted to help. And right. it became where I felt like a charity. Like, I felt like I was asking people to give money and they were going, Oh, like they were ducking my calls and stuff. And, and that's where I got really frustrated. I was just like, yeah, I don't need this in my life. 
But then every time I tried to push it away, <clears throat> it just felt wrong. And it was like, oh God, I don't want to push it away. I really want to be a part of this thing. So, you know, we've got a, a pretty good team together now. I think we're going to have a really good team once we get the company put together and stuff. You know, we're doing yep. the, the 501c6 now. And um, so, you know, we're, I think right now, as we speak, we're putting together a newsletter. That newsletter is going to start doing some things. I've seen in the UK, We Make Events over there has got some really cool things that they've been doing. I don't know if you saw, but they just did this Silent Nights thing where people camp out in their backyards and they collect donations for it so glenn from from well formerly from ma lighting but now uh oh god what's the name of his company amber amber sphere amber sphere right um so you know uh yeah i mean and that's all a cool thing and i just love this gingerbread thing that he did i mean have you got have you heard any numbers like how viral is it how many views I haven't um, I'm I. actually reached out to him uh, or we're supposed to connect again here soon. Um, but, you know, it, it he's done a couple of other, like he built this stop motion animation that I thought was so cool with Play-Doh, right? So he had a camera facing straight down and it was for, uh, uh, oh, what was her name? Kesha. You know, he had okay. done some some content and it was just, smooshing different colors of play-doh under this thing but the stop motion of it you know the way that it built for that show so you know he's super talented i i'm actually glad to see him get some love yeah um because you know it's 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 a little bittersweet because i I don't want to lose him yeah well it's just nice when somebody does something like that without necessarily any expectations of wealth or fame or anything and then all of a sudden they get gigs and stuff out of it like hopefully that's the outcome from all of this is someone sees it and goes i gotta have this guy you know and and he gets a gig or he gets some sort of you know success or whatever out of it because yeah i mean the amount of patience and work and and just you know thoughtfulness that went into that whole thing is just awesome it's so cool no it it truly is incredible and i'm like i said i'm glad that i played could play such a small part of it so yeah you know thank you for all of your work on connecting folks as well we should get him on this podcast he's you know he's a fascinating guy to talk to yeah i i don't know him you know i i saw that podcast that he went on the other day you know my my uh my friend (laughs) the other podcast and um i didn't listen to it so, you know, not because I thought it would be boring or anything. I just, I don't know the guy. So I, I, you know, I wanted to listen to it just to hear how it all came together, uh, to do that one particular thing. But, uh, but well, yeah, you know, I think it. I listen to both podcasts kind of regularly. Um, and they're, they're very, you know, they're about the same topics and same people and same industry, but yours is just a conversation, right? Yeah. It's not a, it's not, you know, whereas is the other one is a lot of like, questions and questions that you may get beforehand or like, this is what I'm going to ask you. So I just, I like where this kind of mind map format goes, right. Yeah. Cause we go all over the place. Yeah. For some time. Well, that's the whole idea is, you know, I never did this with a specific agenda in play or anything. It was just, Hey, I want to have conversations with cool people who yeah. I think have something to share and it might be a freaking cookie recipe. I don't know. You know, it might be something lighting related. It might not be, I don't care. You know, so some of the, some of the best conversations are the ones that, that, you know, went off in a weird place. And, uh, 
you know, yesterday, yesterday, the podcast that we did yesterday started with a conversation between Wiseman and someone else about a lawsuit with Nicki Minaj that they're involved in. <laughs> and I'm like, do you want me to cut that out, John? And he goes, nah, leave it in. <laughs> so I said, okay. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Anything else? Yeah. Did we miss anything? Uh, no. Um, you know, I think everything is pretty cool. We're just trying to, you know, stay afloat and be, here and well fed and healthy when you know we're called back into service it's oh, it's like i, I think you're kicking ass i think together. you're kicking ass you're doing a great job you're an inspiration to so many people you know not me because i'm not smart enough to do what you do but certainly a lot of people who we both know i think are inspired by the things that you're doing cuz a lot of people you know and i'm not putting anybody down who had to pivot into something outside of our industry I actually commend them for doing whatever they need to do to feed their families, you know, cause that's yeah. where we're at right now. You just do what you got to do. And then hopefully you return to what you really love later, yeah. but you've figured it, you've figured out a way to, to do both, you know, to really do what you love, but still manage to, to collect from it. So. I mean, I, I feel very fortunate. Um, and you know, we've had, we've had help, you know, yeah. I mean, we, we got a grant from the city of Chicago that helped. Yeah. Um, you know, we got some PPP, we have EIDL. I was talking to, you know, Mr. Bob Peterson this morning about the next steps, you know, trying to, and it's, it's, if anything, this has brought us together, you know, I've tried to maintain a sense of, uh, normalcy. You know, I run the Chicago VectorWorks user group. So it's like, you know, just holding those meetings every other month regularly via zoom now, obviously, but you know, that's an interesting one because people are like, well, we're not really doing a lot. We didn't really talk about much about Vectorworks, to be honest, because it was kind of like, what you know, nobody's drawing right now. But, you know, you should be, or there's new features or things. But it just, if I can help to create that sense of normalcy for anyone, and I feel so fortunate. I mean, dude, I, there were many days where I was like, I'm just going to be an Amazon driver, or not yeah. just going to be, but like that's a, because I also, you know, I feel like uh, that movie, The Interns or whatever, you know, with Luke Wilson and, yeah. um, where it's like, you know, you, you sold, you were a salesman for so long and now you're going to go work at Google. Like I can't imagine trying to take, you know, my experience in the years that I've been doing this and parlay that, like sit in a job interview and be like, well, I would be an excellent driver, but you know, I would show up on time and I would care and I would take a picture of the thing every time. And, you know, um, yeah, well, a, a young lady that both you and I know, um, you know, made a, a statement, I guess I would call it on Facebook one day and said, you know, I've decided to go work. I think it was Whole Foods where she went to work. Yeah. And, you know, she said, I'm disgusted because, you know, I've got a degree and I've got, you know, whatever, four years or eight years, I don't remember the number of years invested in this career. You know, I, I run a $50,000 lighting console every night for 20,000 fans and I do all this incredible stuff. And now I'm collecting people's groceries and putting them in a bag for them. Um, and she just got a lot of attaboys, you know, cause again, I mean, if it's do nothing or, or feed yourself and, and at least have some feeling of, of, you know, whatever you want to call it, just of survival or of accomplishment or something, you got to do what you got to do, man. And don't be, don't be ashamed, you know, as long as you're not it, killing that, people or hurting people to do it, you know, it's that hustle and you, you know, it's that hunger. And I think, 
I think folks in our business were uniquely situated for it, right? Because in a way, you know, we're all freelance. Like, even though I own a company, if I don't keep freelance jobs coming into the company, right? So it's, you, you're always kind of hustling and trying to make something out of everything. Right. And no, that, that was great on her. And, you know, I've seen since she's been back behind the desk. Yeah. Yeah. Which stuff. is amazing. That's, so cool. That, that's killer. And, um, well, this has yeah, been yeah. this, you know, that whole topic, you know, and I'm sure you've got a lot of friends that you've helped prop up and I certainly have. And it's the sole reason I do the weekly happy hour thing is just to keep people talking and keep people having something to look forward to on a Wednesday afternoon at five o'clock, you know? And, um, you know, the whole mental health thing and, and just, you know, how people feel about all of this and how it's impacted so many people in so many different ways. And I, for one, just try to be there for them in any weird way I can, which sometimes is different, I guess. To be honest with you, um, that has been amazing, you know, just getting, you know, five pages of Zoom people <laughs> together to talk about it. And I love, you know, like, I don't know Steve Warren, right? But I feel like yeah. I've gotten to know him because he's such a character. He's such a and, cool dude. Um, you know, and just in hearing different stories and perspectives, it, it helps you settle in. And, you know, I haven't really had to do anything other than answer text messages and say, you know, like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Like I know how it feels, how I feel the rest of the day when I talk to a new manager. Right. And I, it's just the the hope and the promise that I'm talking to somebody in the business and that there's a, you know, potential thing. And this is all before COVID. Like that would just set my whole day be like, all right, cool. We open yeah. a new door. And so just being able to speak with somebody in the business or catch up on a software update for a lighting desk or, you know, Unreal Engine or, you know, computer advice or any any of it, it just, it makes you feel, have a sense of normalcy. And I think that's the most important thing. You know, what I miss most is loading dock conversations, right? Just busting shops, making fun of people, you know, asking somebody in catering if they're going to leave any for the rest of us or, you know, just... (laughs) <laughs> like yeah having you don't, fun you don't miss bus tours though i bet huh? i don't i i don't know i miss it sometimes um i miss the camaraderie that it comes with living with 12 folks on a bus yeah so you know i miss how tight there was and you know a lot of my stories are a lot of times derived from it and i'll sort of hear myself telling a story and then pause and go but i'm not doing that anymore but i'm also excited for what's next you yeah. know yeah. No, that's yeah. cool. Well, I appreciate you taking some time today, Rob. And, uh, and, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. You're kicking ass. I love it. It's very cool. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for having me on Marcel. It's, it's cool, you know, to be able to speak in this medium and, you know, just converse and like I said, just keep the conversation going. And if anybody, you know, wants to reach out, you can easily find me and I'll be glad to just tell you all the stories. Perfect. Thanks buddy. <laughs> cool. Thanks. All right. Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you.
Sweet, sweet thing 